0: So open your Bibles, download your study guides, and prepare to explore Bible prophecy.
1: Hello and welcome to Exploring Bible Prophecy. In today's program, we are continuing our exploration of the scriptures dealing with the gospel of the kingdom, and we are comparing and contrasting this with the gospel of grace. Both of them are good news. Both of them were preached by Jesus Christ but we need to understand that there is a dramatic difference between the two on a number of levels but uh, i wanted i was thinking about this since our last program and i wanted to make the point that they are not so distinct as to be totally separate there are moral principles moral principles that are taught that were taught as part of the gospel of the kingdom that are just as applicable to the gospel of grace today. Even though the gospel of the kingdom was stopped temporarily 2,000 years ago so that the church age could come in and the gospel of grace be taught, there are principles, for instance, and we're not going to go there right now, but if you think about the the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus gave, and it's principally there in Matthew uh, 5, 6, and 7, um, Blessed, blessed are and there's just so many blesseds in there or blesseds as you want to as you might want to pronounce it that are applicable. He was telling the people at that point in time, here is here is what it's going to be like morally in the kingdom when I set it up here on this earth. As soon as Israel turns to me and believes that I am the promised Messiah, the promised Prophet the promised king, the promised son of God. If you will recognize me and believe in your heart that I am the one that has been sent from my father, then this is what it's going to be like in my kingdom here on the earth. Because as as you notice, and we'll we'll touch on some of these later on in, in future programs as we look at the gospel of the kingdom, that the promises were earthly promises, that you will, for instance, inherit the earth. Well, remember, and we'll get into this in more detail when we look at the gospel of grace, all of the promises to the church, which is basically the gospel of grace that was directed to the church, all the promises to the church are heavenly. There are no earthly promises. Consequently, looking at the the gospel of the kingdom, there are no heavenly promises, they are all earthly promises. And those, if you think about it that way, it might help you to differentiate between the two at a a fairly simple level as we get into more detail here in the Scriptures to know that these promises are all earthly promises principally to Israel if they would have accepted him uh, when he came the first time. And again, this gospel will be preached again, the gospel of the kingdom, during the tribulation leading up to the second coming of Christ when Israel will, in fact, recognize Jesus as their Messiah, the promised Son of God. But that is yet future, and before that happens, we have the rapture of the church, which is particularly what I'm looking forward to. So in our last program, looking at our worksheet, which you can uh, is available, you can download from this radio station's website, uh, entitled Important Prophecy Terms, we're in point number three, looking at Gospel of the Kingdom, And last time we looked at the term prophet. This is one of the four uh, descriptions of Christ that we're looking at from an Old Testament perspective as prophecy, and then we're going to look at the early New Testament um, realizations of each one of these titles, if you will, and we're looking at prophet, which we did last time. Now we're going to look at Messiah, then we'll look at king, and we'll look at conqueror because the Israelites were looking for this, this promised, prophesied one to come and to um, punish and do away with the authorities that were imprisoning and enslaving the Israelites, which at this point in time, of course, was the Roman Empire, would do away with them and return Israel to its former glory as it had during the time of David, because they were told that this king, when he comes, will sit on King David's throne. Well, we know that didn't happen, but we know from the Bible that it will happen just as prophesied in the millennial kingdom. So a king and conqueror, they were looking for a king that would come and conquer and reestablish Israel to its former glory. So we were looking at Deuteronomy 18 uh, for prophet, and then we went to John 7, uh, uh, verse 40 for the New Testament. Uh, point that they were, is this Jesus we're hearing? Is he the prophet? And now we're going to go to Daniel chapter 9. So again, as we were in our um, portion of our program uh, last time, uh, in our last program, we were looking at Daniel chapter 9, and we want to go to Daniel chapter 9, and this time, instead of verse 24, we want to look at verse 25 and 26. So Daniel chapter 9, verses 25 and 26 And this is part of the prophecy dealing with the 70 weeks, the 70 weeks of Daniel. And 25 and 26 deal with the first 69 weeks. So 69 and then verse 27 deals with the last week. So verse 25, and again, he's talking to Daniel and and by extension Israel, the Israelites. So you are to know and discern that from the issuing of a decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince. There will be seven weeks and 62 weeks. It will be built again with plaza and moat, even in times of distress. Verse 26, then after the 62 weeks, the Messiah will be cut off and have nothing, and the people of the Prince Who is to come will destroy the city and the sanctuary, and its end will come with a flood. Even to the end, there will be war, desolations are determined. So, basically, uh, in a thumbnail overview, what we're reading here in 25 and 26 is a decree will be issued, and we know that's the decree to rebuild Jerusalem, not the decree in Ezra to rebuild the temple. This is the decree to rebuild Jerusalem, and we find that in Nehemiah chapter 2. So we know that this was in the spring, probably the month of Nisan, in 445 B.C. And if you go forward um, 483 years, it takes you to the week, literally, if you take the month of Nisan, which is the month that Jesus died in, It takes you to the month of Nisan, 32 A.D., when the Messiah is cut off. And that's another term for crucifixion. The Messiah is cut off at the end of the 69 weeks. And then it talks about in 26 about how the the, uh, temple will be destroyed, Jerusalem will be conquered, if you will, um, all after the Messiah is cut off. So we have Jesus being referred to here as the Messiah and that's a port, uh, an important point to understand. So we now have prophet explained and we uh, the prophecy of the uh, prophecy of the prophet being explained in Deuteronomy. We now have the prophecy of the Messiah coming and dying and and this basic passage here in Daniel chapter 9 tells us exactly when that's going to be, and if the people had merely had the faith to believe the Old Testament, which they had at the time that Jesus came into Jerusalem, they would have recognized him as the Messiah, as the promised one, as the Son of God, and they would not have killed him. And of course, we we read that in uh, Peter's um, soliloquy, if you will, in, in Acts, that if they had just known, they would not have killed him. So we have the prophecy of the Messiah. Now let's go to um, Matthew. Let's go to the New Testament, to the first book of the New Testament, to the, uh, the book of Matthew. And let's go to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. And we want to look at um, verse 16. So Matthew chapter 1, verse 16. And it's um, talking about the genealogy. Matthew starts out with a genealogy of Christ, taking it from from Abraham to Christ. And in verse 16, it says, Jacob was the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, by whom Jesus was born, who is called the Messiah, the Messiah, the Christ. Uh, In the Greek, it's Christos but it's uh, the anointed one, the Messiah. So we see that um, he is being um, identified here. Jesus is being identified as the Messiah in the New Testament as one of the many uh, scriptures you can go to as fulfillment of what we see in the Old Testament where he is prophesied as being the anointed one of God who would come. So we now have uh, looked at Jesus as the prophet which is what the Israelites were being told to look for. We see that verified uh, in the New Testament. We have now looked at Messiah, the Anointed One, or Christ, uh, in the Old Testament in Daniel. We've now seen that fulfilled in the statement there in Matthew chapter 1. And now let's take a look at the title of king, the title of king. And here we want to go back, as we have before, with each one of these. Go back into the Old Testament and go to the book of Isaiah. Go to the book of Isaiah. And we want to go to Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9. This is one of the more well-known passages when they talk about the prophecies of uh, Jesus in the Old Testament. And this is a, a particularly good one for understanding that they were looking for a king So, Isaiah chapter 9, and let's look at verses 6 and 7. Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. It says in verse 6 For a child will be born to us, and in context, us is Israel. Child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. Verse 7, there will be no end to the increase of his government of peace on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. So we can see that 700 plus years before Christ ever came on the earth, Isaiah prophesied that he would come, that he would come as a child, and we'll get into more detail uh, in that in another Isaiah passage, that he would, he would be born as a child, born as a man, not as a Um, ghost-like God figure, if you will, but he would be born to us, Israel. And remember back in Deuteronomy 18 when um, God prophesied through Moses to tell the Israelites that this this promised prophet in that case would be a countryman from among yourselves. Well, here is the uh, further evidence of this. So That was 1,400 years before Christ in Deuteronomy. Here's now 700 years before Christ in Isaiah saying the same thing. And it's talking about how the government, the government of Israel particularly, but ultimately it will be the world, will rest on his shoulders. There will be no increase, so it will be an eternal government, an eternal government of peace on the throne of David and over his kingdom. So here he is being referred to as the king, the ultimate governing authority, the wonderful counselor, and also being called mighty God. So the point is he's as the son of God and of course as the triune Godhead, one in the same. So it's God uh, incarnate in the flesh, carne means flesh or meat, incarnate on the earth, uh, ruling over the people. And of course, This is what was promised to Israel, to us, as it says, um, multiple times in the Old Testament, if Israel would have accepted him when he came the first time. All of this wonderful eternal kingdom of justice and peace and so forth would have been set up uh, for the world uh, at 2,000 years ago at that time if they had accepted Christ and had accepted this gospel of the kingdom, but they refused to accept it. So we see him here as the king. So let's now go to Luke, uh, as we have, as our pattern has been an Old Testament prophecy. And let's now go to Luke to see how it uh, is handled in the New Testament. So we go to Luke chapter 23. Luke chapter 23. And in Luke chapter 23, we now have Jesus as being um, interrogated, uh, violating all the laws of um, Judaism, all the laws of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Uh, I forget how many uh, rules and laws they broke in this uh, terrible miscarriage of justice as they interrogated Jesus and found every way they could to make sure that he is— Um, worthy of being crucified in this particular case. And in Luke chapter 23, verse 3, he's before Pilate. Pilate is the Roman governor uh, in Jerusalem at the time, and he's been brought before Pilate. Verse 3 of Luke 23, So Pilate asked him, Jesus, saying, Are you the king of the Jews? And he, Jesus, answered him and said, It is as you say. It is as you say. So we have the fulfillment here of not just Isaiah chapter 9, but other passages in the Bible. This is basically an overview um, stating that this one would come at some point in the future and that he would be the king of the Jews. He would be the king over us, us being Israel, as referenced in Isaiah chapter 9. And here we see it specifically pointed out, even though it's a question from unbelieving Governor Pilate, he is saying, are you the king of the Jews? And of course, we know that when he was crucified there on Golgotha, they put a sign over uh, Jesus at the top of his cross that said, the king of the Jews. So we see that verification of King. So now we've looked at uh, Deuteronomy and John for the... um, prophecy of a prophet being Jesus. We've looked at Daniel chapter 9 and then Matthew to see the uh, fulfillment of the prophecy that must, that Jesus as a Messiah would come. We've now looked at Jesus as the prof, um, prophesied King of Israel and seeing him admitting it to Pilate there in Luke chapter 23. And the last we want to look at here, and again, this is not an exhaustive, unabridged look at this, but just some key um, characteristics of what the Israelites were looking for and whether or not that was fulfilled in the New Testament. And, of course, they all were. And the last one we want to look at is um, Conqueror. We want to look at Conqueror, and we're going to do that in our next program, and we're going to do that in Isaiah chapter 11. So if you want to look at it in advance, we want to look at Isaiah chapter 11, and we're going to look at the first five uh, verses. Uh, Isaiah chapter 11, the first five verses. But we need to transition now over to our Q&A time and continue on with our look at Israel as the wife of God and whether or not the fact that Israel is the wife of God have any impact on end-time prophecy. And we have gone through uh, a number of scriptures to prove the point that indeed Jesus, uh, rather Israel is the wife of God. And the fact that uh, in God's flow of the scriptures from Genesis to Revelation, that it's almost all, four-fifths of the Bible is basically about Israel, and that last fifth is about the church. Depending on who you maybe have listened to or have read, there are those that believe the church is from Genesis to Revelation because Israel uh, basically lost all of its rights before God when they had Jesus crucified, and there everything. therefore everything that was applicable to Israel is now applicable to the church. Well, again, as I've said many, many times, there's nothing I can find in the Scriptures to support that. Israel is the wife of God. The church is the bride of Christ, soon to be the wife of Christ. And there's a very clear distinction between those two groups. The one common factor is they both need Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior in order to be saved and to to have an eternity with with God and his Son and the Holy Spirit. But other than that, there is a clear distinction between Israel and the church, and we tried to make that point principally by Acts 15, verses 13 to 18, and then looking at the quoted passage there in Amos chapter 9 to show that... uh, God will take a, a people for himself in the rapture out, and then he will turn his attention back to Israel. So, we're showing some of the major attributes of Israel as the wife of God, as the preeminent people before the throne of God, even though they are in disobedience, terrible disobedience, they are still his wife. So, we ended our last program in Daniel chapter 9 looking at verse 24. And so let's go back to Daniel 9 very quickly here, and we were making the point that there are several things that will happen to Israel, that will happen to Israel uh, right at the, the end of the tribulation, uh, the judgment of Israel, and then the setting up of the millennial kingdom immediately following that. And those were all the points that are listed there in Daniel chapter 9, verse 24, we're not going to go over them again, but recognize that every one of those will take place at the second coming of Christ, except for the atonement for iniquity. And of course, that was done by Christ on the cross 2,000 years ago. But everything else will not take place until he um, comes back at his second coming. But it's all, every one of those is directed principally and initially to Israel. Israel must be saved first. But before that happens, Daniel chapter 9 points out that there's going to be a 70th week, a period of seven years, just as the 483 transpired from the time of the signing of the decree that we read about in verse 24 of Daniel 9. The 483 years went up to the point of Messiah being cut off or crucified, and then Israel's future went silent if you will relative to God's interacting with Israel because he has partially blinded them while he has turned his attention to the church but then he's going to turn his attention back to Israel when he takes the church to heaven, his son takes his church to heaven then he turns his God turns his attention back to Israel and we see that in Daniel chapter 9 so if we could go to Daniel 9 27 very quickly and it says, And he, it's a lowercase he, or a lowercase h-e, and who is the he? And if you go back to verse 26, it's referring to the prince who is to come, and it says the people of the prince who is to come will destroy the city. Well, who destroyed the city? The Romans did, the Roman Empire. And the Bible tells us that the Roman Empire will come back into power at the end time for Israel, and that there will be somebody come out of that Roman Empire who will be the Antichrist. Because we know it's the Antichrist from this verse and from other supporting verses because of what he does. He will make a covenant, a firm covenant with the many. Well, who's this whole passage about? Israel with the many for one week. So there's that last week we've been looking for, the 70th week of Daniel. And, but in the middle of the week, he, referring back to this Antichrist in verse 26 again, will put a stop to sacrifice and grain offering. In other words, he's going to go into the temple that the Israelites will have built on the Temple Mount. And why they could build that on the Temple Mount, given the politics of today, that's a, that's a study for another time. Um, but the, the, the Antichrist will be so powerful during that first part of the tribulation, that he will politically bring this about and allow Israel to um, build their temple, and in the middle of the week, three and a half years after the tribulation starts, he will put a stop to the grain offerings and the sacrifices because he's going. He the Antichrist is going to go into that third temple and is going to declare himself God. And that's the um, abomination that is referred to here in verse 27. As a matter of fact, Jesus refers to this verse in Matthew 24 by name. He refers to Daniel and the abomination, which happens at the midpoint. So there is a tribulation that's going to take place uh, that's prophesied in the Bible. And we see that lined out here, if you will, in Daniel chapter 9, verse 27. Now, what I'd like to do is to go to another passage to show you that and go to Jeremiah. So we're going backwards from Daniel. So we go back through Ezekiel and Lamentations and go to Jeremiah. And we want to go to Jeremiah chapter 30, Jeremiah chapter 30, and look at one verse. And it's talking about this this terrible time, this day of the Lord, which we studied here in this series, uh, just finished up here Uh, just a short time ago to show you the day of Christ, which is the rapture, versus the day of the Lord, which is this terrible time of tribulation, um, highlighted by Jesus' second coming. And in Jeremiah chapter 30, looking at verse 7, it says, Alas, for that day is great, there is none like it, and it is the time of Jacob's distress, but he will be saved from it. And what this is saying is, Uh, In in the whole context here, it is a time called the tribulation, and we'll look at that in just a moment. It is a time of Jacob's distress. So who's Jacob? Jacob was the uh, grandson of Abraham. He had his name changed to Israel. He was father of the 12 tribes. So when you see the name Jacob, it's talking about all 12 tribes, because we know that they will be brought back together at the end of the tribulation to be judged by Jesus. And it's a time of Jacob's distress. But look at that last line. But he, Jacob, meaning Israel, will be saved from it. There is going to be a righteous remnant. The Bible talks about it. There will be a righteous remnant of Israelites that will be saved out of this uh, particular period of time. And we'll we'll go to that particular scripture here in in a, a program coming up here very quickly. But this is a a time called the tribulation, Jacob's distress, but not all Israel will be destroyed by that. So let's um, go to Matthew 24 very quickly. Matthew 24, and read a verse here, and then we'll come back in our next program and elaborate on it just a little bit. In Matthew 24, looking at verses 21 and 22, it says, "...for then there will be a great tribulation." such as has not occurred since the beginning of the world until now, nor ever will. Unless those days had been cut short, no life would have been saved. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short. The elect is righteous remnant of Israel. We'll discuss that in detail next time. Remember, if we don't talk again, I'll be seeing you in the air.
0: Thank you for joining us on this edition of Exploring Bible Prophecy. Our special offer this month is Consider the Ant, Volume 1, The Basics. Consider the Ant is a biblically-based look at emergency preparedness. You'll be taken through the steps necessary to prepare yourself for the Unexpected. This special DVD can be yours for only $20. To get your copy of Volume 1, The Basics from Consider the Ant, simply call us at 878-6279. That's 423-878-6279. Exploring Bible Prophecy is a production of WHCB. Learn more at whcbradio.org.